Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one time more time today. My name is Gary Fowler, and I am the host of GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. I'm a serial entrepreneur with 17 startups under my belt. I've been involved in several unicorns. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce and also Eva.ai. We love artificial intelligence and quantum computing because as you and I know, we are in a state of infobesity, a lot of data around us. So with that, I'd like to introduce my incredible guest today. Beata is an interesting, interesting individual. She's originally from Vilnius, Lithuania. She lives in Cairo. Beata is a serial entrepreneur. She helps startups hire high-growth locations. She's been involved in investing. Just a wonderful, complete background, and she's speaking to us from Cairo. So with that, hi, Beata. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you, Gary, for having me here. It's my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about it. How in the world do you go from Vilnius to Cairo. I mean, it's like, did you like one day wake up and say, you know, I like the pyramids and uh, I, I want to walk like an Egyptian or what happened here? Well, something like that. <laughs> no, actually, the world is such a is becoming such a small place. So Vilnius in Cairo is really not that far away, as we could imagine. Uh, but yeah, I didn't wake up one day thinking that I want to live uh, in front of the pyramids or next to the pyramids, but rather I woke up one day thinking that I want to be surrounded by new emerging startups and a great startup ecosystem and something that is still in the process of being built. And uh, then I started researching and gladly, uh, fortunately, I already had my network. Um, and few of them were already working in Cairo, and they started giving me a brief, an overview, what a great place for creating and impactful organizations it is, how uh, so many different talents from all over the region, I'm talking about Middle East and Africa, are coming to Cairo to establish businesses, to start operations, how actually a lot of companies are moving from the uh, UAE, Kuwait, or Saudi Arabia, and they're actually coming to Cairo to establish their uh, their headquarters here. I was like, okay, let me try. So it's been a few years, two years and, and a bit, and here we are. So how is it living in Cairo? Oh, it's lovely. Really, the weather is great. We have access to two seas. Uh, people are super friendly. I would say that everyone is like an entrepreneur. So it's a really great place to live. And how about a, how expensive is it to rent an apartment in Cairo? Well, it depends a lot on where exactly do you want to live, what areas do you prefer, what neighborhoods you prefer. But I would say that it's definitely uh, around one thousand dollars that would get you a nice place to live. Oh, that's great. And what about like, what do you do? Like, what's what do you do on the weekends in Cairo? Do you go to the bazaars or do you go? To the sea or what do you do? Cairo is a huge city. Uh, so I, I like to say that Cairo, Cairo is actually second biggest city in Africa. And uh, it's super diverse. And of course, we have malls, we have restaurants, different cuisines, uh, different attractions. And we can go play tennis, play bowling, go visit the pyramids. If this is something you want to do on a weekly basis. No, I'm, you know, the more I think about it, the more, you know, you're like convincing me. I want to go to Giza. I haven't, uh, I told you before, my grandmother is uh, Egyptian from, she's a Greek Egyptian. 
And uh, she would always had stories for me when I was a kid. Oh, definitely. You should visit. Cairo is a very diverse city. Something from extremely modern, the new capital being built, and the, uh, the skyscrapers and the tallest buildings in Africa and the hugest mosques. And then something like the old uh, Cairo with uh, like a very deep uh, history and different quarters. It's, it's really great. It's a city of contrast. Now, do they like to barter in Cairo? <laughs> they do. <laughs> but don't we all bargain in business on, on yeah, a daily basis? No, like, so you yeah. like go to a regular grocery store? Do they have grocery store chains like they do in Vilnius where you can walk in? Yes. Or... Of course. Of course. The same, right? Of course. It's a huge city. It's really like, I don't know, Gary, if you had a chance to visit Cairo, uh, but it's it's really modern. Like uh, some people would expect that it's not as modern as it is, but it is. And Cairo is becoming even more more modern and in the infrastructure is being uh, more and more developed and foreign direct investments are just like floating all around. It's a really interesting place to live and to so see. Now, you've been there two years. What do you think about, are you going to stay in Cairo? What, do you, what's your, what are your plans? Well, I came here uh, because I wanted to see how business are working in, in, in the Middle East and what we can do here and how we can uh, build different impactful organizations here. So, so far, my mission is not done yet. So um, I'm successfully planning to stay and then we will see. Expansion, I guess, is always a big idea of every single business. So we will see what future has to offer for us. So what do you do like, like on the weekends? Like what's a typical weekend like in Cairo? It's been interesting for my audience. Like, what do you do? Like, do you go walk around or is it, how hot is it today? Well, today is extremely hot. I think it's a 40 degrees Celsius today. Uh, but in general, I would say that I do it here exactly the same what I would do in in Paris or in Vilnius or uh, or anywhere else in the world. You wake up in the morning, you have your cup of coffee, you read the news, either you read your book and then you meet some friends, you do some sports, you can go to the mall. I would say that my life is exactly the same here as it would be in Vilnius. And I, I'm sorry if I'm disappointing. No, <laughs> no it's just really, really interesting for extraordinary. me. Extraordinary. But yes. Now, have you traveled throughout the continent? Have you traveled around Africa at all, the African continent? Yeah, actually, before coming to Egypt, I had a chance to work in Gambia, in West Africa. So I had a chance. I was also working with the startups and incubators programs over there uh, for rural entrepreneurs from the rural areas. So that was also very interesting. I got a chance to travel all over Gambia, a bit of Senegal. It was really, really beautiful. And and yes, and then after that, I was all right. I think Africa or at least the region or the continent is the place where I want to be. And that's how I ended up in, in, in Cairo. Wow, that's amazing. So Tell us a little bit about what's what's going on. So what's the ecosystem look like? You know, how do the where do you think, you know, the top five countries in the on the African continent? What do you think uh, the in terms of startups? Who What would they be? What is Egypt you're saying up there? What about Nigeria and places like that? Well, how would you rank them? All right. So in general, I would say that Nigeria is still on the very top of the list when it comes to African startups. And of course, 
<clears throat> I was just reading the report about startups in Africa for 2021. I can drop a link afterwards for everyone if any of you are interested. Uh, but in general, Nigeria is still on the top of the list. Uh, Cairo is the second country on the list. And then it follows with South Africa, since we know it's a booming location for the for startups as well, Kenya, Algeria, and then Morocco. Uh, so this is the list that we have right now. It, we still like startups in Africa in general is um, driving force uh, for the entire labor market. So majority of highly paid positions and positions where you can actually um, grow and learn they're still in startups and I would say if I'm not mistaken and this is purely uh, my assumption and my experience that the fintech is absolutely on the top of all uh, all top five countries when it comes to African uh, African startup ecosystem and the same is in Egypt um, fintech is takes the biggest range and it attracts the biggest amount of investment mm -hmm. uh, e-commerce and edtech uh, follows afterwards so you know you came from uh, Lithuania nice place kind of calm right it's kind of calm beautiful architecture just a nice really nice place so when you came over what was the biggest difference that you that you uh, you know took you a while to get used to when you're coming over to Cairo well, I guess, Gary, honestly, I, <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm a, I'm a bad example and I'm a bad case uh, to ask this question, honestly, because I had a chance to live abroad before. So and I already had friends who are from Cairo and they used to live in Cairo. So I was kind of very much aware of what am I expecting. But again, I would say that wherever I go and the same uh, impression I get from my colleagues who are expats and work in a, in a different cultural environment, that regardless from your daily life, uh, when you start working in a different country and you come to the office or you meet your team online, it's very important to have this open mind uh, because the cultural attitude, customs, rules, unwritten agreements are still there and you might not be fully aware of it at the very beginning, but open heart and open mind will definitely help you figure this out. Uh, something that I'm still, in, after two years, I'm still trying to deal with is um, my clients and my colleagues being late for the meetings. Uh, I don't know how much you're aware, but in, in, in Europe in general or in Northern Eastern Europe, we take being punctual really seriously. So we consider it's kind of rude. rude. Exactly. I didn't want, want to use this word, but it is what it is. Uh, we consider it rude if someone is being late. And even if we're late for a few minutes, we immediately like inform people that I'm going to be late and they're sorry for any inconvenience. Uh, this is not really how things work here. But again, more and more people, especially young generation, they had a chance to live abroad, study abroad. They they become more, uh, they adapt easier. So I, I would say that this common agreement can be reached. At, so, well, how much, so typically how much later are they for meetings? Well, it depends on who you're dealing with, <laughs> uh, but I would say 10 minutes is not considered being late. And so why would they, why are they late? Uh, 
why i'm not able to say why exactly but i would say that it has something to do with a lot of external factors so traffic is in cairo is really ridiculous uh so if you are for example in vilnius vilnius is a super small city compared to uh to cairo if you have meetings in the very south of the city and then you need to go to the meeting in the very north of the city this will take you like top 30 40 minutes in Cairo, it might take you up to like two to three hours. Wow. Uh, yes. So we are super excited when uh, when the, all the meetings shifted to be online. Basically, it was like they empowered uh, by 2020 and the global events. Uh, so we were like, great, we don't need to travel for two hours to go to the meeting to meet the client and and to discuss small details. So I would say the traffic is really a thing uh, for us. And this is also being used as a, as an excuse. <laughs> if some so, of traffic, so traffic's an excuse. Do you drive in Cairo, Vieta, or not? No, I don't. No? I don't. How I do think it's more my goals, but not yet. Do you take the bus or do you take the uh, uh, subway? Or what, what kind of transportation do you take? Uber, subway. Karim, Karim is a local uh, replacement for Uber. Uh, and yeah, whatever bus, I would say that bus is least convenient. Metro is extremely convenient since it doesn't face any traffic. So if we really need to go to the other city. But yes, majority of people drive in Cairo and Uber is, 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 a, great, is a great option. No, out. that's great. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on today. You know a little bit about OVARC and some of the things you're working on at OVARC. All right. Uh, well, yeah, Gary. So we talked with you uh, already before, and this is how this this topic came up to to, to be something to discuss about. So OVARC is a people operation management system. What we do, we help companies from abroad to hire people from these what we call high growth locations. So Egypt or Middle East in general is one of these high growth locations. A lot of people are graduating. Uh, a lot of them are having like a very potential careers. Majority of them are bilingual. Um, so the labor market here is expanding and the amount of people in general is huge. Uh, so I was just reading a few days ago that uh, more than 2 million people right now are enrolled in the uh, universities in Egypt, and this is only one country. Wow. And the graduation, graduation rate is something close to 80, 85%. Wow, that's, well, Egypt's always been known. They got really, I mean, there's some really smart people there, right? Well, yeah, we have the entire Asian civilization coming from here. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yes. Yeah, so, what we do with Ovaric, and this actually idea of Ovaric came uh, from a direct demand from our clients. So, way before 2020, a uh, few of our clients, because we we work in HR for like a very long time, been working in HR for seven years now with a with another company called Portfolio. And we started hiring and we started focusing on tech recruitment. So hiring software developers, engineering managers, product, DevOps, when DevOps was still not a thing. And uh, so we evolved together like with, with the market and with the need. And then one of our clients, they were like, oh, you know, because we mostly work with startups. They were like, oh, would be great if you could do the payroll. We're like, sure. No problem. We can provide the payroll service. And then after uh, after a year, they were like, do you think you can do the software since you have like in-house um, tech team? Like, sure. 
And then 2020 hit. And then we realized that, wow, that's not only our clients who need that, but this is the entire, this is, there is a global need for that. And this is where we started working on a work where companies can do the payrolls and social benefits and contract management. And right now what we are doing, we're trying to um, escalate the entire process of building of ARC so more and more companies could actually have an access to these brilliant minds from different locations. It breaks my heart to think that someone cannot be hired just because they were born in a particular place, but they have the skill set and they have the abilities and everything is there, just some small paperwork that we could take care of is the only minor so thing. where do you find, like, if you're looking in Africa, where do you find... The, you know, if you're looking at uh, technology, where are the technology entrepreneurs located? Where are the technology resources located? So what's it look like? Tell us about a typical client and what, what it would look like. Uh, well, it depends. It depends uh, on what we're looking for. I would say that um, still it's very important to have this one ecosystem where you know everyone and people are talking and they're sharing the ideas. So I would say that um, VCs is a great place to be, accelerators, uh, gatherings. We have this, especially in Egypt, we have these huge summits. Uh, where all the startups and startups want to be and uh, founders are gathering in one place and they have brainstorm sessions with key keynote speakers. I would say that it's very important to be involved in the entire uh, community of people who actually care. So this is number one. Number two, it's definitely the world is becoming super small place. Mm -hmm. So a majority of our clients are not even from Egypt. And I'll be very honest with you, Gary, uh, I've never met them in person. Like very few of our clients actually saw them face to face. And where, are they from? where are their customers from? What countries? We have few of them from Canada, few of them from the U.S., uh, France, Germany, and then the, the GCC region, Kuwait, PSA, Egypt. So, yeah, so since we are here, it's easy for us to make connections and connect with the companies who are in the region. Uh, but also, like, this demand to hire people hassle-free where the companies, especially startups, don't need to worry about the paperwork and the people ops and the legal part. We cooperate with some of our of some of our clients for more than three years now, and never had any problems. <laughs> I guess that's why I never saw them in person. Yeah, but yes, great. and so, but so, what are they typically looking for when they call you up? What are they looking for? Uh, they usually look for hiring tech talents. So it can be back end, front end developers, engineering managers, DevOps uh, right now product managers. I would say that sometimes it's great to, and they look for, they're looking usually for a particular industry. So if we have a client who is involved in the um, FinTech, they would say that we prefer engineering manager who worked in building a FinTech platform. And this is something that we can support them with. If they're working FMB, they would say that, okay, maybe not the engineering team, but we are looking for someone who works in marketing and we want them to be involved in FMB. So yes, now we evolve to a level where we hire not only uh, the, the tech uh, teams, but still the focus stays, stays with, the, with definitely with the, with the tech teams. No, that's great. And so if as you're going down through and do it, do you find people... Uh, just in Egypt or is it all over the region? Do you find 
uh, workers, people that can help? Where are they from? Are they primarily from Egypt or other places? Majority of them are from Egypt uh, because I told you, Gary, that we already had a company before that was doing purely uh, recruitment and staffing solutions for our clients. So we already have a huge database. Uh, but we hire from, from the region. Uh, we had several clients who were requesting to hire from East Europe, Eastern Europe. We did that as well. Uh, I would say that we, we, we don't have limitations anymore, but I want to be honest and blunt. And yes, majority of our candidates, they still come from uh, from Africa and, and Middle East. So we have several from South Africa, uh, from Nigeria, several from uh, Egypt, Kuwait, KSA. So what about the, uh, if they look at it, if you're, uh, let's say, U.S. or Canadian company, how much less is it going to cost for a resource to get a resource from Egypt? Well... According to what we calculated in the last two years, uh, we calculated less than, uh, so the companies who work with us, with the entire process, uh, meaning hiring and then people operation, payroll and benefit enrollment for their employees, it's up to 40% cost reduction. Mm -hmm. what's, a, what's, a, what's a typical salary for somebody who's got three to five years worth of experience in Egypt that's a, a, a developer? Just a typical average salary. In dollars, well, it's 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 very hard to say. Um, five, right? One of my friends calling me from the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you should pick up. <laughs> yeah, well, he's American friend. It's here. I talk to him a couple of times a day. <laughs> All right, all right, that's good. Three to five uh, developer. I would say it's from. 800 to 1,200. This is from the very top of my head. Mm -hmm. 800 to 1,200, right? Yeah. Okay, so it can be less than 50% of the cost of doing much less, right? Even with all the bundle costs. And do you take care of all the insurance and all the payroll taxes for Egypt and all exactly. that? Exactly. We used to open uh, companies for some of our clients before. Uh, before 2020, and it was also a very successful model. Uh, some companies, especially from the region, they were like, we don't feel we need some employees. We want to bring entire teams to, to Egypt. And we're like, sure, we can help you establishing, doing the helping with the incorporation and the legal assistance and the visa and the documentation, whatever, from legal to logistics. Um, but I would see that this trend is decreasing and more and more companies, especially startups, uh, they would rather hire remote teams mm -hmm. than actually set the entire office and the, the, the oldest environment. What's the mentality, the work ethic in, in Egypt? You said that people are a little bit light in terms of coming into the office, but what's the work ethic like compared to like Lithuania? I would say that there is something that uh, I love about working in Egypt um, is that a lot of people actually go this extra mile. And this is something that me personally, I appreciate a lot, uh, maybe because I was very lucky and I always had great managers in my life and they taught me a lesson that going an extra mile is actually what will get you far away. Uh, but people here, I would say that it's a default setting to go this extra mile, to do a bit more, uh, to want more. If 
if I'm not leading a team, they would come and ask you, what can I do? And with what, one or two years of experience, they would say, what can I do to lead the team? What do I need to do? So this mm-hmm. hunger, this this passion for what people are doing in, in majority cases, it's absolutely stunning. And with all due respect to all the Lithuanians, I really love my country, but I would say that it's a big difference. In a positive way or a negative way? In a positive, in a positive for Egypt and a negative for Lithuanians out there. Lithuanians are great, but they're very professional. And for us, we take like rules the way it is from A to B, and there is no other other ways. And I would say that people, or maybe these are people that I work with, they're a bit more hungry and passionate about what they're doing. Got it. Okay, super. So uh, we're coming up to the top of the show. So closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you? Uh, well, closing, I would, I would say that um, it would be my wish that uh, companies from all over the world, regardless from for what provider you're going to choose, would be open for hiring people from different locations. And they could actually be very surprised uh, what an amazing benefit uh, and or benefits uh, different cultural diversities can bring to their teams and to their products. So this is number one. And uh, if you ever want to reach out to me, Ovark is always there. And uh, Gary, if you ever feel like you're in need for some remote talents, we're always here to help. No, I appreciate you taking your time. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And to all my audience out there, thank you for joining GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned for another exciting edition coming up on Thursday. Stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. And we'll be back soon. Thanks, Vieta. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.